0: Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this one. We're going to finish up the book of 2 Corinthians. We've been in this for about six or seven weeks total. Uh, when you combine all the teachings together, uh, it's been pretty cool. I hope you guys have learned a lot from 2 Corinthians. I've enjoyed it. But here we are in chapter 12, 2 Corinthians uh, it's good to be back. Last week I was not here with you guys. I hope you guys enjoy Barrett. Yeah? He was good? What? Yeah, yeah thank you. Yes, thank you. I love Barrett. He's my bro. What are you doing? You got to back me up on him, man. I don't want him to be hurt. Come on. He loves you guys. I know that. I know that. He, he talks about you guys all the time. He loves you guys. All right. Let's start in, in verse 1. We're going to read through to Verse 10. And then we'll pray and we'll get into our Bible study, okay? Starting in verse 1. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man of Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I, say, what, what, by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of, of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray, guys. Father, thanks for the time of worship this morning, and now we're going to look into your word. Father, we thank you that uh, we have these incredible examples from saints of long ago that have gone before us and lived a life, Lord, that... You have given for us as an example. And so, Lord, we look to Paul. We look to other people. We give thanks, God, that we can do these things, that we can gather in this place. And I just pray this morning that as we look into your word, Lord, it would speak personally to us, that it would encourage us, that it would strengthen us, that we would walk away this morning, Lord, knowing you a little little more deeper, understanding your word a little better. And being willing to live for you a little stronger. So Lord, I just thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you for your love. And this morning we commit our Bible study to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Second Corinthians chapter 12 here, Paul is speaking both figuratively and literally uh, when he talks about these things that, he go- that we're going to go into in detail here as we go through these last 10 verses that we're going to study in Second Corinthians. He starts off in verse 1, and he's talking about boasting. He says, "...I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord." In chapter 11, Paul is talking about how these apostles, these other guys that are are considering themselves to be great in the eyes of the Lord, are boasting about the things that they've accomplished for God and for the kingdom. And Paul talks about his own boasting and things that he's gone through. And if you go to chapter 11, just verses 23 through 29, I'll read it to you. He talks about the things that he's had to endure and that these are the things that he begins to boast about. It says here in, in chapter 11, I'll read it if you don't want to turn there. It says, Are they servants of Christ? Am I out of my mind to talk like this? I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Uh, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the, in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Paul talks about the things that he has endured for the sake of the gospel. Now listen... I've spoken about this before many times, and you guys know this, but just to remind you, when we decide to stand up for Jesus and live for him, not everyone's happy, not everything's hunky-dory, not everything moves, you know, so smoothly in our lives, because the world doesn't love the things of God, Satan hates the things of God, and your own flesh wars against it in your own life. So you have things that are coming against godliness in your life, and oftentimes, hardships will come upon you for the sake of the gospel. Paul refers to partaking in the uh, the, the suffering of the Lord as an honor. He says these things are I consider it an honor that I would be considered worthy to be able to endure things like this for the sake of the gospel. That God would count me worthy. And he says that it's the fellowship of the suffering of the Lord. So in other words you're you're partaking in identifying with the suffering that Jesus endured in his life and on the cross somehow in this life. It's It's a weird thing, it's hard to understand, but it happens to believers. Here Paul is talking about the things that he has had to suffer through for the sake of the gospel. And I can say honestly that there's probably no one in this room that has had to endure anything like that for the sake of the gospel. But these are the things that he would boast about as he would consider these things as the things that were important. That he could say, hey, look what God's done through me and in me and look at how he's used me. Other people were boasting about how maybe they did miracles. Maybe they raised the dead. Maybe they healed the sick. Maybe they preached a sermon to thousands of people and they gave their life to the Lord. Whatever it would be. But Paul says, these are the things I would boast. He talks about it in chapter 11. But he says, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. So Not only am I going to talk about the things that I've endured and boast on those things, but I'm going to take it up a whole other level. And I'm going to talk about the things that I've seen and revelations that God's given me. So look at verse 2 with me. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows. Was caught up in paradise. I heard inexpre- He heard inexpressible things. Things that man is not permitted to tell. Now, What's interesting here is Paul uh, speaks about the third heavens. How he knows a man who years ago was taken up into the third heavens. And we know that this is Paul because in verse 7 here, just a little bit further down there, he says that God gave him a thorn in his flesh because, to keep him from becoming conceited. So he kind of lets the cat out of the bag, if you will, that he's the guy that he's actually speaking of here in verse 2, 3, and 4. Now, he talks about getting taken up into the third heaven. Now, if you guys, any of you guys have done studies of answers in Genesis or anything like that, you guys, a lot of you homeschoolers go through this at some of your uh, curriculum, you might remember when it talks about the third heavens, you have the first heavens, which is our sky or atmosphere. You have the second heavens, which is our outer space which is, you know, space, anything above the atmosphere. And then you have the third heavens, which is the heavens in which the angels dwell. God's presence is paradise. This is we'll be, where we'll be for eternity. It's not of this world. It's a dist- far distant place. Uh, someone handed me some stats here, uh, Tim did, b- between the service, the last service and this service, and we were talking about the second heavens being in outer space. Just the size of how far and far-reaching it is. In 1977, they launched Voyager 1. So 37 years ago, they launched a a satellite to go into outer space. And we're going to send it into deep space to find out how far it goes. So it's been in space for 37 years already. It's still going to this day. Right now, it's about 8 billion miles away from Earth. Okay? So 8 billion miles away. It's been traveling continuously on this course for 37 years. It takes 33 hours to transmit uh, a signal to it. And that, that 33 hours that it takes to transmit a signal is traveling at the speed of light. So you can't... Wrap your mind about, around that for just a minute. And we just discovered that it got to the edge of our solar system. So it just got to the edge of the Milky Way, right? It's, no. Oh, the planets, the solar system. Yeah, our solar system. So it's just beyond... Beyond the, the not-so-planety planet of Pluto, because it was a planet when I was your age, but now it's not a planet, evidently. So it just got past that. Just the stuff that we can recognize, we can see. 33 hours traveling at the speed of light for a signal to get to it, and, and, and so it can change direction or whatever it needs to do. It's a huge universe we live in. It's incredibly large. So Paul says, I was taken up whether in body or out of body. I don't know. And he says that twice, which is important to, to understand. Because there are people today in the world who have had these you know, near-death experiences. And I think this is what Paul had. Because we're told that he was left for dead at one point, And they thought he was dead. He, was, he had been stoned. Uh, and they thought he was dead. And then he revived somehow and came back to life. And many people believe that at, at that situation is where he experienced this uh, where he's talking about the surpassing revelation taken up into paradise. And uh, when you th- there's people that have written books lately about, oh, I've been to heaven. I don't know. There's like some little kid that said he went to heaven. There's another guy that said he spent time in heaven. Uh, whether or not they did or not, I don't know. What I do know is that Paul says here, that he was shown things that were inexpressible, things that he, man is not permitted to tell. So why they would be permitted to tell what they saw and Paul not, I don't know. I'm not knocking their experience. It is what it is. Uh, I would just say that I would trust Paul more than anything else, anyone else that would have a, a, a you know, confession of going to heaven and seeing heaven. Even if I told you I went to heaven and I haven't, but hopefully someday I'll be there. But the reality is this is that Paul goes, look, I can boast about things that have happened to me, shipwrecks and hungry, you know, being hungry, chased by people, all these horrible things that I've endured, but then I've also had these surpassing revelations and the, this knowledge and this incredible gift of God where I've seen paradise. But then he goes on in, in verse six and he kind of brings it all back down. Uh, or, I'm sorry, he, he talks about uh, the, what to him, if we can back up there, I got ahead of myself. He says... Uh, He says that God, okay, I didn't get ahead of myself. I misread my notes. I'm so sorry. He says in verse 6 that even if I should choose to boast, I I would not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth. So we know that it's reality. He says, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or what I say. And this is really the important thing of what Paul is trying to drive home here. He goes, he's basically saying here, it doesn't matter where you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how God's used you. It doesn't matter if you've raised the dead, if you've healed the sick, if you've preached you know, uh, sermons to people and people have turned to the Lord. All of that doesn't matter. What really matters is how, how it's looked at by what you do and say. Really, it's our life on the inside and the outside, are they matching up? That's what Paul's referring to here. He's saying, This is more important to the Lord, what you do and what you say, than how you can boast. Okay, and they're connected, yes. But you can do all of those crazy things like be used by God in powerful ways to raise the dead and heal the sick and, and maybe do miraculous things and preach the gospel. And, and your in your inward private life, there can be great amounts of sin and great amounts of things that God would completely disapprove of. It's called actually called hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And it's a travesty in the church today. There's many people that have big, you know, pastors that have big churches and people come week, week in and week out, but in their private life, It's very sad because they're far from the Lord in a real personal way. And I think Paul's touching on that here. He says, he says very clearly, no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. He says, I don't want anyone to think any more of me than when they examine my life, when they see it personally, up close, by what I do or say. He says, then I'll have something to boast about. Then I'll it will be boastworthy, because then I will have backed up what I believe by the way that I live. James talks about that very clearly in the book of James. He says, let's not just be hearers of God's words, but let's be doers of God's word also. He also goes on in James to talk about the tongue, how it's a world of fire. can get us in a world of trouble and speaking and boasting about things that you know, are not proper or whatever can be sinful. Move on to verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 because Paul goes from talking about how he has warned, he's, I definitely have earned a place to boast. I certainly have seen things from God. And then he goes on to talk about how God's response to those things and what God has done in his life as a result of them. Verse 7, 8, 9, 10. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now let's stop there for just a minute. He talks about uh, to keep him from becoming conceited. He talks about a thorn in his flesh and a messenger from Satan to torment him. So let's look at those four things real quick. Conceited, the word conceited literally means vain. It means to be excessively proud of oneself, to be excessively proud. So to keep himself from becoming excessively proud or prideful about what's happened, God sent to him a thorn in his flesh. Now in the Greek language, the word thorn and flesh there literally are translated thorn and flesh. So it's like a, a small wooden splinter and the, fle- the word flesh there is literally flesh where blood uh, will course through in, in your skin. The Greek language there is very, uh, it's, it's very literal in what he's saying there. So we can assess from that that there were, may have been some kind of physical ailment that Paul had to deal with in his life That Satan, as it says, a messenger of Satan, which would be a messenger is uh, the word in the Greek angel, which literally would be a demon, a demon of Satan comes and torments him. So the 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 word torment means buffeted. It's the same word that they used to describe Jesus when they put the veil over his head and, and started to punch him when he was arrested, and they said, "Prophesy! Who's who's hitting you? Who's beating you?" To torment him. So when you put it all together, it kind of gives us a picture of what it could have been. It likely was this, that Paul had some kind of physical condition, whether, we know he had weak eyesight, so it could have been that. It could have been some kind of physical condition, maybe a heart condition, a stomach. Maybe he could have had some kind of problems with his bones or his muscle. We don't know. But it was a physical ailment that Satan would exploit in the spiritual world. He would come to him and somehow cause him to be tormented in that physical condition. Now, we know that Satan has certain abilities and powers and things in this world, and, but none of this happened unless it went through God's hands first. Because he says, to keep me from becoming conceited, it was given to me. So he acknowledges that this was permitted by God's hand. Now, it's not like Paul wanted it. Just because he acknowledges that it came from God's hand, God's hand doesn't, he doesn't acknowledge it that... It, okay, I'll just deal with it. It says there that he prayed three times, because if you look there in verse eight, he says, three times I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me. It's okay to pray for God to take something that's difficult in your life away from you. It's perfectly fine to do that. In fact, I would recommend it, because if it's God's will to take it out of your life, you've done yourself a favor, and you've helped yourself. But if it's not God's will, then you're called to live with this difficult situation, then God also has a plan, and his plan is found in the next verse, in verse 9. What Jesus says clearly to Paul, he can say to you and me. Look what he says there. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus spoke clearly to Paul and said, look, even though you're dealing with this thorn in the flesh that's being exasperated by spiritual forces... As you go about and do my work and you're, you're struggling in this life and I'm showing you great visions of heaven so you have a hope that you hold in your heart and things that you know that you can't even speak of that are so incredible, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, let me explain grace to you just real briefly. I've said this before and some of you guys know this. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Right? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. We are given forgiveness for our sins even though we don't deserve forgiveness for our sins. There's no righteousness within me or within you, within any person that's ever been born other than Jesus that deserves to be forgiven of their sins. But yet God in his great love for us has chosen to, to extend his grace to you and giving you what you don't deserve, forgiveness for your sins. On the other side of that, we have God's mercy. God's mercy is not getting what you do deserve. God says, yeah, I'm going to extend to you my forgiveness. I'm giving you what you don't deserve. What I'm not going to give you what you do deserve is eternal judgment. Separation from me forever. I'm going to give you heaven rather than hell. You don't deserve it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you my grace and I'm going to give you my mercy. Getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. Grace and mercy. We cannot live the Christian life without these things. And Jesus tells Paul very clearly there that he says, My grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, we all have weaknesses in our lives. And as you grow and you get older, you're going to definitely begin to identify with what your weaknesses are uh, a little bit clearer and a little bit clearer. And you'll understand them a little bit better and a little bit better because they'll, they'll basically be cyclical. You, your weaknesses will expose themselves because they will come up again and again and again throughout your life. And we all have weaknesses. Some of us, I had mentioned this earlier, uh, our tongue is our weakness. In other words, maybe you have a tendency to lie, to avoid telling the truth. Maybe this is an area of your life where uh, you just can't seem to get a hold on it and you can't seem to control it and it just, it, you're easily tempted in this area and you just want to you know, kind of uh, embellish a little bit and, and go, depart from the reality of the truth and kind of make things up. And, it, and for whatever reason that you do it, it, you find yourself getting yourself in trouble. You find yourself hurting other people. You regret it. when, it, when you, Once you're done, you feel guilty. And, and maybe this is a weakness in your life. I'm just using this as an example. And if that's you this morning, then hold tight. Don't get upset and don't feel bad because there is an answer. But the reality is is we all have weaknesses. And they will come up. But God's grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. Paul didn't try and overcome this thorn in the flesh on his own strength. He didn't say, I'm going to figure out a cure. I'm going to make this thing go away. No. Instead, he asked God to take it away when God didn't take it away by his power. He says, then I'm going to lean on your power that's greater than my power, which is really just weakness. He depended on something stronger than himself when he needed it the most. Listen, you and I are in the midst of those things that we're going through when we're trying to deal and, and live for God and these weaknesses keep rearing their head again in our lives. We're going to have to draw closer and closer to the Lord because when you stand closer and closer to the Lord and lean into Him and depend on His strength, those things will begin to uh, find a place where God will work His strength through, them, through you in them. God, will, when you say, God, I can't deal with this. I can't overcome this. I need you to do it for me because obviously I can. I keep falling down. That's the place where you are in the perfect place that God wants, to be, wants you to be because then he comes in with his strength. He lifts you up by his strength and he holds you up in his power. In your weakness, his power is made, is made perfect. The key to anyone that wants to live, live a life that's considered successful for the Lord, is you need to boast in the Lord about the things that He is strong in. And you need to take your weaknesses and lay your weaknesses at His feet so that He can overcome them and that it will be His glory that's given at the end of the day. Jesus holds us up. Jesus keeps us going. Jesus is our all in all. When you think about that for just a minute, as Paul was finishing this letter here to the to the Corinthians, he's, he was boasting about his weaknesses. He's saying, look, man, I am weak in this area, but God is stronger. And when I identify that I can't overcome this, it just gives God that opportunity and that room to come in and be the strength for me where I am weak. I think of it as an image like this. Have you guys ever seen on the cartoons when... Uh, when there's like in the superhero cartoons, when there's someone in a car has like fallen on them and and the superhero walks up and and like people are trying to lift up the car, lift up the car to get it off the person or whatever. And then the superhero walks up and he just like with one hand lifts it up. It's the same way. We can sit there all day long and try and lift that car. We will never get that car off the ground. It's not until Jesus comes over and just with one hand scoops it up and it's lifted up. All right? God's grace is sufficient in your weaknesses. We need to remember that. Don't try and overcome your weaknesses in your own strength. Go right to the Lord. Don't run away from him. Run to him and he will empower you and he'll give you what you need. Amen? All right, let's pray.